everybody loves that behind the scenes stuff, you know, how's it done, how to make it work. That could be just a fun thing. That's not something you do all the time, but might really enhance what you're doing. And you could use it later on as part of your overall marketing mix. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Woo! Yeah. Zoom high five. Zoom. Synchronized Zoom. There you go. There we go. I <laughs> uh, got a question for you. All right. When I say the letters or the phrase PR, what comes to mind? Personal record, which I got when I ran my one and only marathon. All right. I guess we're done with this episode. <laughs> that PR wasn't very good, but it was my only. So it's still my personal record. Got gotcha. run another marathon. Maybe I'll get better. There you go. There you go. Is Fine. there any other? Yes. <laughs> I might also think public relations. And why would you think that? I would think that because that is the commonly used terminology and business of all industries of scopes and sizes, including the attractions industry, which leads to our guest today, Susan Story. We are going to talk to her all about different areas of PR, right? It's not just about one specific area, but how important communication is, how important uh, storytelling is. Um the crisis communication piece of it. But what I find really fascinating is I think a lot of people think about PR when things go wrong. You know, what's our PR message when, you know, some catastrophe happens, when some crisis happens. But I really enjoy hearing Susie talk about how important it is that PR be part of your strategy 365 days a year. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, we cover a wide range of it. So we talk about, you know, we, we talk about being able to hype up new events and attractions and, and new initiatives, as well as crisis communications, but also what happens on, on a day-to-day? How, uh, how do employees impact your PR strategy? How do guests and social media impact your PR strategy? Uh, so it, it just a, a fascinating conversation to really be able to uh, kind of cover that from, from all angles in terms of how critical PR is and that it's very much just ingrained in the DNA of your business, whether you're actively... Uh, uh, you know, focusing on it or not, it's there. So being more on the front end and being very active and proactive and engaging with guests, with employees, with stakeholders in the business allows you to have the most well-rounded and productive PR strategy. And what I think is also pretty fascinating is so often we think about PR from a 
a guest facing perspective, right? You know, you're getting your message out to your guests, but Susie's also kind of carved out a niche for herself where she's focused on suppliers and manufacturers and sort of the B2B um, uh, world where it's also important for a manufacturer to get the to get the word out, whether it's for, you know, um, awareness or to be, um, you know, considered as a, as a vendor for someone, um, but really to tell their story in order for them to increase their business and increase their, their, um, their visibility. And the way that she walks us through that too, I think is really enlightening and probably things that, that we may not have thought of. If we think of, when we think about suppliers, we think about it being business to business, therefore their strategy should focus solely on their audience, but she really takes it further to say, well, there's, there's their audience and then there's the consumer and then really having a way to engage the end user and being able to get excited about what the supplier is doing with the business and having this, I would say, greater peripheral influence and uh, and magnitude of the story that's being told. And the last thing I'll mention before we get to Susie Story's story um, is just how things, so many things have changed in our world over the last 15, 20 years, whether it's social media or um, different ways to get your message out and mediums and all those type of things. But when we ask about what's critical uh, for somebody who's considering a career in the industry, it's very fundamental and foundational. And I'm not going to steal her thunder, but um, there's things that I think every person, whether you're in PR or in marketing or in leadership, it's important to have these skills, but particularly if you're going to pursue a career in PR. So stay tuned for that. Yes, which uh, she says at the very end of the interview. So that's right. You got to listen to this whole thing. Not that it'll be hard for you to do so because uh, she's just so fascinating. She's so interesting. And should we get to this interview with Susie Story? Let's do it. Hey, Susie, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So excited to chat with you. So can you give us a little bit of background on your history and what it is that you do? Sure. I, what it is that I do, I swear it changes daily, but um, I have been working in the attractions industry my entire career um, and I have been in public relations. So it started um, very simply, I guess I could even say it started in high school when I had a friend who was a little bit older than me, who would come back home after being gone, you know, for about a semester. And we were like, Jeff, where did you go? And he said he went to work for Disney World. And I was a sophomore in high school at the time. And it was like, wait, if you go to college, you can work for Disney World. And, and he talked about the Walt Disney World College program. And that became this goal. Like when I get to college, that's what I want to do. So I did. Um, so I started out as an undeclared uh, student, as most people do, at a liberal arts school in upstate New York. And my sophomore year, I went to Disney and really not just fell in love with the park, but found kind of my calling. Um, I got to work very luckily, just kind of happened to be in certain areas and um, got to assist and volunteer and help with the PR department. Um, did not want to go back home. So I did go back home for a semester and applied to do a public relations um, professional internship, which was fabulous and got to go back to Disney and work in community relations. So that was a combination of both serving all of the philanthropic side of Disney while also learning more about PR. And I did, just really knew this is where I wanted to go. Um, and like a lot of people thought once I graduate, my career would forever be at Disney World. And um, that wasn't quite in the cards because I think I forgot that I was one of thousands of thousands of eager college program graduates. 
Um, and uh, did a lot of volunteering and, and worked with Give Kids the World and got to know people there. And then all of a sudden was offered a job in the industry. And I was like, well, this sounds fun. I'm young and single and I can move. And and um, over time, I've been lucky. I've worked for, if you talk to some of my friends, almost every single theme park chain due to you know purchases and buying and combinations and everything. And um, I've had the ability to, to move several times for fabulous jobs and also to work with really incredible people. And uh, now I actually am in still in the attractions industry, but I have my own PR company, which is exciting. I think if I had talked to me back in high school, I never would have thought that would be something I was going to do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, about your firm, about story to story communications and really what you do to be able to help your clients get the message out and, and uh, what you offer. It's, you know, I think I'm still evolving a little bit. Um, I most recently was with IAPA and absolutely loved working there and, and loved working on that side of the attractions industry to like help the members, but was finding more and more that my passion and maybe my expertise could help the manufacturers and suppliers side of things. So um, certainly we all went through COVID. I think we've all have our own COVID stories, be their personal, professional, whatever. Um, and, you know, I kind of went through a little bit of both during that time. I also have a mom and, you know, my son, as he's getting older, needed me in different ways. And kind of one of those, you know, where people would say, hey, you should go out on your own when you're, you know, over drinks, like, oh, yeah, whatever, I, I need a job. And then one day, you're like, I think I'm going to do it. And I always think of that scene from Indiana Jones, where he has to step and the, he has to do the the leap of faith, right? And I took the leap of faith. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I told myself, I'll give myself a year, can we do this? And was a little quiet about it, um, but have really enjoyed working with members of the industry, in particular in attract, particularly in manufacturers and suppliers, to so just kind of help them with messaging. Um, a lot of times they don't need someone full time, but they need someone to help announce a new business alliance, or to help announce they've hired some new folks, or they're going to launch a new product. And I kind of feel like all my years in the industry have come together to allow me to do this and to really just have a lot of fun while I'm at it. That is so cool. And I, I have to say, I'm very similar to you. When I was um, young and kind of starting my career, I had an opportunity to maybe go out on my own. And, and at the time I was like, uh, no, no, not, not at all. Right. But, you know, later on, as you get more experience, it becomes more uh, that leap of faith. You can, you can actually see yourself taking. So that, that's super exciting. You know, before we started the actual recording, we were talking a little bit about storytelling. And I think it's great that your last name is story because <laughs> you know, what a great tie in. Um, but tell us a little bit about you know, helping your clients tell their story. What is the what is the craft that goes into that? Because, you know, anybody can just write a Facebook post and say, hey, we're opening a new ride, right? But there's a lot more to it than that to grab people's attention. Well, exactly. And I think that's been even part of the evolution of public relations, even since I've started. You know, I, I never thought I'd get to the point in my career where I'm like, back in my day. But, you know, back when I first started, we used slides and I have a son who has no idea what a slide is, right? And we, and then, you know, we thought we were so cool when we, um, you know, moved to disks and we could put everything on a disk and then, oh, wow, now we're using USB and now you don't even do that, right? Everything's Dropbox or, or links or whatever. Um, and then also the way, the places to plant your stories have changed. You know, I, I it's, we all kind of know the plight of where newspapers have gone, um, but really it's how people consume content is very differently. 
Um, you know, we, back when I was working more for parks, a lot of times the, you're trying to get your story, if you will, in front of who's going to be your theme park guests. So is that, you know, your moms or your families, your locals, your regionals, all of that. And so the tried and true was always your local newspaper, your local radio stations, your local TV stations. If you were really lucky and you worked really hard, you could get in some of the print publications and work months in advance. I mean, the the big gets for, wow, we got Parents Magazine and, and wow, we got good housekeeping and some of these things that really, sadly, are really no longer around. Um, and, but earned publicity, you know, that publicity you're not buying, it's not advertising, is just as important. And it's getting people to know what that story is that they want people to remember them about. And also, where do they think the person, how are they going to reach that person they want to read it and to see it? And so even if you are earning great stories, let's say in a newspaper, are the proper people reading that? So it's really sitting down and, and I think gone are the days of saying, look, we have millions and millions of impressions. Like we used to get so excited where we say, look, we got 200 million impressions, blah, blah. It's really more about what is your need? What is your business need? What are you trying to reach? Why are we even doing this story? And how can we help you get there? And then frankly, under thinking about what vehicles are right. You, you mentioned social media or Facebook posts, social media, that could be one way. A trade publication might be another. Doing something like we're doing today with a podcast, you know, you guys have an audience that speaks directly to the attractions industry. That's critical. That's If that's who you're trying to reach as a potential client or customer, that type of thing. So it's, it's not just writing a fun headline and telling like, look, this is new and open. It's also saying, where do we want to get it? So you're going to have success in your business. Thank you for, for sharing that. That was just so interesting. One of the things that I'm curious about too is the niche focus on manufacturers and suppliers in the attractions industry. So obviously there's a gap that really needs to be filled in terms of their PR capabilities, their needs, and just over the uh, uh, however many years you've been in the industry, being able to see opportunity for manufacturers and suppliers to tell those stories even better. Can you talk about kind of, I would say, what uh, what you've observed or really the the gap that you are helping them fill that they weren't able or that just historically just hasn't been filled as well uh, on that side of the industry? Well, I hope I'm doing it well. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think what it is, is getting companies that traditionally haven't had a PR team or a PR focus to think about why they might need it. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of evolution in the industry on the manufacturing supplier side. You know, several of them are merging. Many of them are doing joint partnerships. Some of them are also becoming owner operators in their own right. So they're not just manufacturing and selling, let's say a ride, and then the park itself is handling all the marketing. Now they're saying, oh, well, we built this ride, but we're also gonna run it ourselves. And now we need guests to come and ride it. And so that might be a skill set or a business need they've never thought about or, or done before. Um, and it's also getting, you know, the, the business to business market is, is just as important. You know, manufacturers and suppliers are not necessarily trying to reach us as parents and potential guests, but they're trying to get additional clients in a lot of ways too, is also showing them how they can even partner with who maybe they sold a ride to, um, help get the fact that people actually make roller coasters, you know, who they are and what they do and when they went to school for and, and really think about where did this come from? Um, I think that's one of the things that's becoming more and more important as, again, as companies are trying to figure out how do we cut through the clutter? How do we say this is our product is cooler than or better than? 
um, and really trying to find a way for them ultimately to have more success and to sell more products. And it's, there's different fun ways to do that. I love how, I'll just use an example. I love how, you know, roller coaster enthusiasts get all excited when roller coasters get new fresh coats of paint. And I live here in Orlando and over at SeaWorld and, and at Busch Gardens, a lot of the, the rides this year look beautiful. And they just think it's cool. But how fun is that to tell the story of the people who were hired to actually paint the coaster? And why do you paint the coaster? And what are they doing? And so that's also really cool human interest pieces that I think for a long time haven't always been focused on. And there's a lot of opportunity there. You know, one of the things I'm curious about is how much investigation you have to do into like a company or, a, you know, their message to find out what those those nuggets are that are going to be really interesting. Like you talk about the 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 people that actually paint the roller coasters. That's that's really interesting. You know, maybe even figuring out what colors they're going to be, you know, you know, kind of diving into that. But, you know, there's sometimes I would imagine that you're thinking, you know, we've announced something like a roller coaster before. How do we make this really unique to this um, company, you know, by finding out what those unique facets are about that team or the people or, you know, that particular ride? You know, I was thinking about this a lot, getting ready for this call. And one of the things I think we all see, particularly when we go to the IAPA Expo, is how proud people in our industry are and how proud they are to do what they do if they're selling paint or if they're building rides or whatever that is, they are very proud to do that. And, and sometimes people shy away from the word pride, but what comes with that pride is also passion. And they're also passionate about what they do. And that's a really unique aspect that I think is different in our industry is no matter what where you fall and how you are part of the attractions industry, you're very passionate and proud of what you do. And, um, you know, I'll just use an example recently, Sally Dark Rides. We all know Sally Dark Rides. They do really cool animatronics. And at IAPA Expo, they had a, a cool witch that they were unveiling. Um, but next to the witch was this little frog. He was called Croaky Wing Wing, of all things. And of course, I caught my, it caught my eye. I'm like, why is there a frog here with with wings? And um, Drew, Drew, who's part of their team, who came up with the whole story, was telling me, here's why. He's got the wings. He's part of the, of the witch. And he's he was going on and on. I'm like, this is fascinating. And then I naively was like, wow, are you new to Sally? And he's like, no, I've been here almost 30 years. And, um, you know, that's the type of thing, like, that's so cool. Not only to see like why this little tiny thing that probably a lot of guests are not going to focus on too much, but how much goes into that and why he came up with that and why he's so passionate about it. And yes, we can get lots of stories about, look at this cool new ride, but isn't it fun to go a little bit further to say, why does this cool new ride have a croaky wing wing? And how do you come up with such a thing? And why does it matter? And I think those are some of the nuggets that not just highlight the business, but also the people that make this industry so unique. Hmm. I think one of the things too, that I'd be curious about is in the way that stories like, like those are told that sometimes does it need to hit kind of a, a peripheral consumer or end user to best serve the need of the client. So for example, uh, well, when we talk about, you know, the, the animatronic with Sally or even going back to uh, to coaster paint, right? The ones who mm -hmm. are interested in that story are largely coaster enthusiasts, but then you can take that and make it a human interest story, but eventually it needs to make it make its way around to parks of saying, oh, we need to hire this company to repaint our coasters. So there is kind of the, I, I would imagine that balance of saying, we want to have this widespread appeal while at the same time getting to the niche audience of, of those who are actually 
going to be able to make that financial investment in our product. Yeah. And, and you're right. And, you know, gone are the days of basically throwing every message to the wall, the proverbial wall, and hoping it'll all stick. You know, again, so many outlets have changed the way, again, people consume media is different. And so, um, you know, public relations, I'm super proud to be a part of, and I'm always saying how important public relations is, but public relations is just one part of your overall message strategy, right? So, you know, obviously if we use, if I'm going to sell paint for a roller coaster, I, my sales team has got to know what they're excited about and why they're doing it. Have solid examples with clients who say, yes, we had a great time. Um, and wow, we're so proud and look, it doesn't fade in the sun. Um, but then the PR, maybe the human interest story, it's a part, it supports all of your other messages together. And, you know, I think public relations is one of those critical aspects that a lot of times people think, well, you know, mom in her house is not going to buy paint for a roller coaster. In fact, she's not going to buy a roller coaster and she doesn't own a roller coaster, so I don't understand it. Well, she might have a 12-year-old son who thinks roller coasters are the coolest things ever. And he might see a story about, oh my God, my favorite coaster and now a really cool green. We have to go, right? And so there's kind of a trickle effect that goes and it's just, it also kind of creates that buzz and excitement and, and you know, word of mouth kind of spreads. And ultimately, somebody's going to say at that park, wow, we really love the green coaster. And that's going to get, you know, to a new place. It's really interesting. And, and again, I think as a parent, I think that a lot, I'm always amazed at what little stories or little facts stick with my son and I never really realize where they're going to go. Um, but it's also just letting people know that you as a company are out there, um, particularly, you know, we're here in the U.S. There are so many companies based here in the U.S. that manufacture and they do everything here. And, and I think we've really gotten away from that storytelling and also from highlighting that. And, and our industry as a whole has a lot that we can really tell and a lot of people we can highlight. First of all, I'd like to say how cool it is that we're talking about coaster paint and frog <laughs> wings. I mean, just okay, wait, what wait. Other, yeah, what what other, what other podcasts are you going to get that? Um, but one of the things that I'd like to kind of dive into too is, you know, as you're working with a client and kind of helping to craft their story, you know, you've got, I'm sure, a lot of, a lot of input from different people and bringing it down almost maybe the opposite of what we talked about in the, in the wide sense, but bringing it down to that, that one thing. And maybe it's it, one thing in different channels potentially. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. how do you determine what message goes to what channel? I think that's also part of what your client and what the company is ultimately trying to get to. Are they trying to reach a new audience? Um, are they trying to, um, compete with an area that they've never been a part of before or are they trying to celebrate look how long we've been doing this and so i think that depends again are you talking to your consumer are you talking business to business are you trying to position yourself as the thought leaders or the experts um or is it really like you know what we've just never really gotten anybody to say our name in public and how can you just help us so if people are doing an seo search our name's going to pop up yeah. you know th th there's a lot of that too and and I'm happy to, and we need that too, right? We still need mass and we still need multiple mentions. So it's kind of a combination of both of what are we trying to get to and, and how are we trying to get there? Um, and again, just also allowing a company to say, we talk about it inside our office. How can we get people outside the office to know what it is that we're doing? Hmm. So we talked about you know channels, we talked about uh, kind of SEO and looking at, I would say, 
I don't know, the web in general, and, and particularly social media in just the way, obviously, it, it's nothing new. Social media has been around what, 15, 17 years, 18 years or so by now. But in the way that it's curious as far as how it's really changed PR strategy, because now there's just such open channels for two-way communication rather than just the consumer absorbing it and accepting it as is or not, but now really having the ability to engage in a dialogue, uh, has that just completely shifted the way, uh, the way people look at PR? I think so. And, you know, I'll be very candid and say, if we were having this conversation even six or seven years ago, I would feel like, wow, I can talk really strongly and, and give you like, here's the stuff about social media. But even in that time, a lot has changed. And you're right. I think what social media, it's done two things. It's allowed open um, two-way dialogue between the mystery brand or the mystery company and your consumer. But it's also provided the opportunity for instant and so, you know, a lot of times we think about let's have the pretty picture of the food and isn't that nice or look at this great ride we're about to go on. But I think we can also think of it all the times when people just become, you know, citizen journalists, right? And they can quickly film something or record something that maybe years ago would never have happened. Um, when I was working with Great Wolf Lodge, uh, the social media fell under. It was part of our public relations function. And it was something, though, that we also quickly we're trying to communicate that it's not just PR because the accessibility that social media gives to companies to their customer comes with some inherent rules too, right? If I if you're saying follow us and reach out, then you better respond if they ask a question. And so one of the things that um, Jess Mueller, who was our, my social media manager, she would always talk about is she's like, we're actually part of customer service or they're asking questions here about the operation of the hotel and we're not really sure how to do that. And so it's, it, you know, at, at a corporate level. So how do we go to the hotel? And it, it just becomes, it's another channel for sure, but that also means it's another function of somebody's job or it's another way of making sure you're crafting everything correctly and you're working through that. So it's not just fun and cute, but it's also handling questions or problems or showing your customer service side, which I think sometimes people forget in social media. Um, and, you know, also understanding that people are allowed to put anything up at all times. You know, even if you're there saying, this is not true, they're allowed to post that. So, and as a company, you can't write back, this is not true. So you have to figure out how do we show the personal side, but also the accurate side of your brand and knowing that everybody can see that all at once. And, you know, I felt when I was with Great Wolf, I was getting a strong handle on how social media was going and how we were doing, you know, with customer service and all that. But TikTok wasn't around. I mean, I remember we got all excited when Vine came and then all of a sudden Vine went away. And it's, I think from a PR standpoint, we ask this question a lot is just because they're all out, need them all. And do you have to be on all of them? Because if you have to be on all of them, you have to feed those proverbial beasts on a regular basis, right? Um, so that means you have to have content on a regular basis that you're putting out. And then again, you have to be ready to respond if people, you know, come to you through that. So there, it's a great avenue. And I think it's done a lot to also allow to amplify and enhance your PR message, but people have to understand it's not just a PR function only. It's part of your overall operations and, and customer service channel as well. Well, and really what I'm hearing is how PR 
should be ingrained in everything that you're doing as an organization, right? I mean, so many places talk about customer service or the customer experience is so, so important. And, you know, from my perspective, of course, the employee experience is really, really important. And we could probably take you know, a whole podcast just to talk about PR and employees, right? You Absolutely. Know, that's, that's a whole different, mm-hmm. whole different subject. Um, but I think what I'm, I'm wanting maybe to hear a little bit about is looking at all those different, you know, channels and do you have to be on them all, you know, and that kind of thing. How do you, how do you help to help your clients understand which ones are the right ones. Like now you're working, you know, independently. So you're not part of that um, organization. Right. Mm -hmm. And so maybe part of my question is, goes back to being part of the organization and having a seat at the table. But then the other part of that is if you're not part of that organization, how do you get that seat at the table? If that makes sense. Oh, that's an interesting one. (laughs) Um, well, I think the first is, if we just talk about social media, again, if we, we go back to sitting down to what are the goals and, and why, why has somebody brought me into their organization or why is anybody thinking about bringing PR into the organization or, or doing a PR project, right? So why are we doing this? And ultimately, who are we hoping to reach? Um, and if you know me well, I'm a huge Jurassic Park nerd. And I love that one quote from Ian Malcolm, who's like, you were so busy figuring out if you could, you didn't think about it, if you should. I know that makes me a huge nerd, but that's <laughs> that's also part of it though, right? Like, hey, we have, you know, should we be on Instagram? Hey, should we be on TikTok? Hey, should we be on Facebook? I'm not against them, but I guess the question is, how is that really going to benefit you? You know, if we know teens are on TikTok, but yet you're trying to sell, let's say a multi-million dollar ride, well, maybe you don't want to invest in TikTok, right? And that's a simple, easy answer that most people are like, well, duh, but really... I think sometimes you also feel this um, almost like, well, if they're doing it, should we be doing it, right? My competitor's doing it, so shouldn't we be doing it too? And so again, it really goes back to what is the strategic side of PR, which I think a lot of people often think we're not strategic. I think they just think they come to us and we write pretty words and we put them out there. And it's really getting to the ultimate goal of helping your bottom line. Where are we trying to go? Are we trying to you know, sell more tickets? Are we trying to bring in more guests? Are we trying to attract new clients, new customers, that sort of thing. Um, But social media also is a great way to be part of the conversation. We know that, you know, especially pretty pictures, great videos, people love consuming that content. So if you have the ability to show it, why wouldn't you? If we go back to our paint, why would you not have a fun video of what it's like to get to the tippy top of a coaster and paint up there? How do you do that? I don't know. Maybe you can have, you know, a, a, digital head cam attached to someone as they're doing it but that everybody loves that behind the scenes stuff you know how's it done how to make it work that could be just a fun thing that's not something you do all the time but might really enhance what you're doing and you could use it later on as part of your overall marketing mix and part of what it sounds like you're saying is you need to make you need to meet the customer where they are the channels Mm -hmm. that they are they are at that is going to best align with them and deliver that fun engaging content that can stand out from all the other noise that's around them so uh so matt did talk about pr and the connection with the employee experience and i'd love to come back to that too and even bring social media into the mix here with uh with this question that i have is that i you know it, it is there's always been kind of this gray area or it seems like a big question mark on should organizations uh, allow their employees to, you know, indicate that they work for the organization on social media or even post 
almost I would say on behalf of the organization on on social media and in some ways it kind of seemed binary and there doesn't really say you know some you know it's it's all yes or it's all no and it just seems to kind of be an area of confusion but in some ways social media or not every employee is is a PR rep of the organization in in some way mm -hmm. and sometimes it seems like maybe allow themselves to broadcast that to help the organization. Uh, but curious as far as what your thoughts are on being able to, whether it's leverage your employees to be able to amplify your message or stop them because they might say something that can really, uh, really damage your reputation or, or get you into, into hot water. It is such a difficult question. <laughs> and I think it's a great question for anybody. I think it's a great question for interviewing for a job. I think if you're in school, it's a great question if you're a professor, because I don't know that there's really a finite answer. Um, you know, again, as, as we've talked a little bit about the evolution of social media, you know, one of the very, if we go back even before social media, it was always the only people who can speak on behalf of the company are the, you know, spokespeople, or the leaders. And so typically that would be your PR person, maybe your GM, your park president, but they're the only people. And so if I'm working in a park and I say, hey, I'm, you know, a reporter comes up to me, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not a representative for the company. Let me help you get to the right person. But as we mentioned now, guests can be citizen journalists and guests can say, look what we saw, look what we're doing. And, and your employees are, they're the boots on the ground. They're the people in the middle of everything. And they also can be your greatest ambassadors as well as, you know, sometimes your worst, um, you know, examples of what's going on in your company. Worked for places where we've had pretty stringent social media um, policies for our, our employees, like ones that candidly, I would say they're like six or seven pages long. I'm like, I don't even know what this means, right? And so that doesn't help. Like if you're making people read something, and they can't really figure out am I, what I'm allowed to do, not what I'm allowed to do. And others that were more like, hey, we want you to share, like share what we post, share what we put out there. So it's not always an easy answer. You know, if you're going through a tough time as a company and you want people to come to defend your brand, you want your ambassadors to support you and your, you know, and be there. But then if you're also turning around saying you can't post about us because you're at work that can be a little strange too. And, mm -hmm. and you don't want them to feel like, oh, they're hiding something and we're not allowed to say something. Um, it's tough. It's definitely a tough one. I, I think um, I, you know, I've always been able to balance in a unique way because I have been the spokesperson for my parks or for my companies or whatever. And so I've always just known what I could put that is like Susie telling her story, just having fun as a guest and Susie sharing her story as a PR professional. Um, but there is a little bit of gray line and I think it's, I think it's something that's continuing to evolve. Um, I will see some folks post things that I was like, oh, I would never do that. And then I'm thinking, is that because I'm thinking in an old way or is that the way things are going now? And and it's hard to have those answers. It, it really is as a company and even as an individual like to post or not post, right? Um, so I don't know that I really have a straight answer for that at this point. Yeah. I mean, I could add my two cents just from a, a leadership perspective is that, you know, I, they're, they're going to do it anyway. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to, to stop. And I don't want to just say young people because it's everybody. I mean, you, right. you walk around, everybody's got a camera, everybody's the citizen journalist. So it's, it's hard to stop anybody from taking a picture and posting it. This is, this is a habit for a lot of people now, um, especially when they see something interesting that they want to share with, with somebody else. Um, 
But what I think it almost does is it becomes a watchdog. You know, if it's for employees, it becomes a watchdog for the leadership of that organization, right? Mm -hmm. Because you need to create an environment that is okay for people to post about, right? So if you are thinking, I don't want anybody to post, well, what kind of skeletons are in your closet? Why are, exactly. why are you trying to hide these things? Now, I think it's a little different when it is something that should not be put out there. For example, when I worked at Universal, there was you know a no tolerance policy. If you posted about something behind the scenes at Halloween Horror Nights, you know, no if, ands, or buts, that was it. Yeah. But, you know, you're out there having fun with your friends or something funny happens on a ride and that kind of thing. Now, I don't know what, specifically what Universal's policy is now, um, but I think those kind of things, you know, if you're running a reputable facility and you're doing everything you can to create a, an amazing experience for your team members, so they'll ex- create an amazing experience for the guests, then those are advocates you probably want out there. That's a message you want to to put out there. I, I think it's also... It- it's not necessarily consistent. It is consistency in that you don't want to look like you're talking out two sides of your mouth, right? Like if you're putting together um, a hiring campaign and you are encouraging your employees to say, I work here, you should too. And they should hashtag it and say, you know, fun job or whatever. Use your social channels, do that. Well, then you don't want to turn around and be like, oh, no, no, you can't say anything about it. you walk by the construction of our new ride or you you can't, right? So it, it's it can get a little murky and it can get a little you know, challenging. And so I think that the straight answer is you should have a policy, but have an, a, have an evolving policy, but really spend more time letting people know what is the right thing to do and how mm-hmm. to do and how to have success with it versus don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Right. It's, it's, it's rewarding the good behavior, right. And, and not focusing too much on the bad behavior. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is, you know, with the example that you gave Matt of like behind the scenes at Halloween Horror Nights, sometimes people crave that and that'll actually help boost engagement. That What it reminded me of, of, you know, the recent season of Stranger Things on Netflix, the official Stranger Things account posted a video of Vecna, like going through makeup. And it was like a, mm-hmm. like a time-lapse whatever he's got a Starbucks cup right there. And it's like, all right, that was the official account. So it wasn't just like the actor doing it, something like that. But it's like, oh, that actually like gets the fans more excited because it's like, oh, here's that behind the scenes look. And if you get that from an employee, it's weird because it's backwards thinking. It's so counterintuitive to kind of everything that, you know, that we thought about. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit because I, I would love it if we can touch on crisis communications just a little bit. And I know we we don't have that much time left and uh, I'm sure we definitely can't get too far into how, how far we probably would, would like to go into it. But I think kind of as as an overarching question, is the goal, what, what is the goal of crisis communications? If there is an incident that happens at, at a park, at an attraction, whatever it is, is it to get people to forgive? Is it to get people to forget? Is it to change people's minds, change people's opinions? What would you say is kind of the, the ultimate goal and ideal outcome that can come from a crisis communications plan and strategy? Well, I think you want to step back a little bit before that. And, you know, one of the things is understand that any company is going to go through a crisis at some point. And, um, you know, I've gone through crisis training. And one of the things that I now use when I do crisis training is it's not a matter of if, but when. And even in our own lives, we all go through some sort of crisis. And so we're not always 100% prepared for them. But we have to understand that a crisis in its very nature is something that's going to interrupt our daily flow, our normal business. And so it could be you know, a data breach, it could be a fire, 
it could be, I live in Florida, it could be a hurricane, or it could be a, you know, a major incident on attraction. There are so many things that create a, a crisis. And really what is, is being prepared and knowing how you're gonna deal with that. And where the crisis communications from what I do comes into play is, okay, I'm not gonna worry about who's gonna put out the fire. That's what your operations team does. That's what you have a standard operating procedure for. But I am gonna worry about how are we gonna tell people there's a fire and what are we gonna tell them about it and what do they need to do about it? And that's an important part. I mean, ultimately what you want is to resume business as usual and have your employees, your clients, your customers, your vendors, everybody feel like you had a handle on the situation and you're still that good company that they wanna to continue to work with. So it's brand reputation, it's you know continuity of business, it's showing that you are a good community partner, you're doing the right thing. That's ultimately what we always want. And you know when it comes to crisis communications, the way to do that is to be honest and to be diligent and to be upfront and share as much as you can in the right time. That doesn't mean run out the door and be like, wait, there's a fire, but don't worry, we'll figure it out. Instead, it's really like, let's figure out who needs to know and how we share that. And also thinking through all those people that I just listed that are part of your audience space, you know, my hat is always going to think of media or influencers of those first people. But, you know, Matt, you're going to be like, wait, what about the employees? If your company has a lot of young employees, you're also like, what about the parents of those employees whose kids are being trusted that, you know, they're working at your place? You want those parents to say it's safe for them to come back to the job. And so, you know, when it comes to communications and that crisis side, it's not just about handle it and move on. It's about thinking through how do we communicate it and how do we really show at the end of it if we're making change and what those changes are and how we're going to stick with it or how this was something that never should have happened and it won't happen again, or even, you know, mitigate it and be like, it seemed like it was a big thing. It really wasn't. Here's what happened. And now we're back to business as usual. Yeah. So how important is it then, as you talk about that crisis communication process, which is a, a, a snap, you know, a flash in the pan, right? I mean, it's usually a quick thing, you know, Story, <laughs> unless you're going through it <laughs> unless you're going through it right um but I, I guess my my question is like you're telling a story 365 days a year right mm -hmm. at some point right so how important is it to you know have those stories about the paint out there have those stories about the the frogs with the wings out there and you know the positive stuff that you've got going so that when something of a crisis happens that you've already got some goodwill built up in the community like like how important would you say that is I think you answered your own question. I mean, it's it's definitely, no, it's it's definitely important. You know, again, people can Google anything instantly. So, you know, if I look up incident at Susie's Park, the first thing that comes up might be the might not be the incident. It might be like, when did Susie's Park open? Or, hey, Susie's Park celebrates 50th anniversary. Like, it's all the goodwill and all the different things. And you're also seeing very quickly, this is you're not seeing fire, drama, chaos every time listed to your name. You're seeing that this is an, a not not normal part of business. It's an anomaly and it inherently will make you feel better about what's going on and who the business is. So you're absolutely right. It's it's planting seeds that you you know really won't know when you'll get to harvest or lean on, but it, it becomes part of, you know, later on. Now, of course, if there's something bad going on, we don't say, hey, remember we did that really cool story with you earlier this year? We're really good people. That's unfortunately not how it works, but you're absolutely right. By telling your positive story and then being open and honest as you're going through a negative process, it all comes together and, and um, shows 
that your company is taking everything seriously and doing the right thing. And part of planting those seeds, I, I imagine ties into the guest experience as well, is building advocacy and loyalty when things are going really well. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that, that I've observed just by being a passive social media scroller is that <laughs> when a company might be going through some sort of crisis, they might post something and then you get the the wave of aggression that, that comes with it. And then those advocates will come sometimes set the record straight and, and maybe say things that maybe the, the PR strategist would not recommend saying on behalf of the company, but if it's said from the guest, then, you know, it, 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 it comes from a different tone. It comes from maybe comes a, a little more direct and kind of sets the record straight a little bit. Uh, so do you have any, any guidance as far as being able to tapping into your advocates outside the company. I know we talked about, you know, employees being ambassadors, but also guests being ambassadors as well when, when you need them the most. Oh, everything you said, 100% for sure. I mean, there have been times where I'll see someone comment. I'm like, yes, or, Hey, we just said that to each other. You know, you just, cause you're right. When you're on behalf of the company, there are things you just can't say. Um, I'll, I'll lean on Great Wolf again, as an example, we had um, and it, a mom influencer group that would, you know, do blog posts and they come and they visit the parks, but we could also lean on them in times when there were some struggles, you know, hotels have unique challenges, just like parks have unique challenges. And, and it would be not that we'd say, Hey, we want you to say this, but they'd be really good about coming to the defense and saying, you know, my family stays at Great Wolf. And we have incredible times every, this does not sound like them. Or they'll even say like, if you're really having that problem, don't complain here, call the GM, they're gonna help you. And you're right, those advocates, um, I think in the attractions industry, we all know Ace, you know, American Coaster Enthusiasts. I mean, they're the people that love our rides and they love it and love it and love it. But they'll come to their, you know, they'll be like, look, we come. Um, and also, you know, who are your season pass holders or who are your frequent guests? You know, I know I do this for a living, but I am a mom and I'm a mom who goes to parks. And my son went to his first park when he was six weeks old. So he is in parks and he has been on rides. And but I feel very secure in saying I take my son on rides and we feel safe. And here's what we do. And and that's not just part of my job, but that's also, it's our entertainment. It's what we do. And, and so again, leaning into your employees or your advocates, they, they can come to your, your help without necessarily being all, here's what you have to say. Here's what you can't say. They're going to do what they want to do because they love your brand. They love your experience and they believe in what you do. Yeah. So Susie, I've really enjoyed hearing all the different facets of, of what you do. And it's, it's, you know, I'm sure we're just scratching the surface, but I'm curious uh, for people who want to get into PR, maybe a young professional who's looking at this as a career, uh, what's some advice or guidance that you would give folks like that? Um, well, I always, I joke about this all the time when I talk to, to students and they tend to groan, but you need to be able to write. We, you know, writing is still important. It's not a lost art. Again, maybe you're not writing for a newspaper anymore, but we're still writing social media posts. We're still writing blogs. We're still hosting YouTube videos. You have to be able to write and communicate, number one. Um, you know, these short texts that we're doing where you say K instead of OK and how are you with the letter. That's just not how business is done and people don't really take you seriously. So you need to know how to write. Um, but also, you know, you have to be able to wear multiple hats. And you have to be able to adapt. I think if I hadn't been adapting along the way in PR, I would not be sitting here and talking with you now. Um, you know, there are a lot of jobs that are pretty consistent. 
PR has been one of those things I think continues to move because we also handle so many different things. You know, way back when I've joked that people used to think we were just the party planner. And I don't think I've ever really par- planned a party. I've hosted events, I've launched events, I've done a lot of things, but I'm not just a party planner. And, you know, PR has to do strategic communications. It does employee internal communications. It does crisis communications. It does all the positive things. So being able to look people in the eye and write and feel confident in how you communicate is a key part of, of success, but that's also what makes it really fun. Awesome. Well, Susie, this has been uh, just such a uh, fun interview and, and just a fantastic conversation. And we really appreciate your time today. As we start to wind this down here, if people want to learn more about you, about story to story communications or get a hold of you directly, where would you send them? Um, well, because I'm still new, I don't have a website, but you can find me on uh, LinkedIn at Susan L. Story. And also my email is story, S-T-O-R-E-Y, T-O-S-T-O-R-Y. So story to story at gmail.com. Excellent. We will make sure all those get in the uh, in the show notes and uh, hope that people reach out to you and learn more about PR and, and your amazing career. So Susie, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you both. Absolutely. And for everybody who's out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.